Welcome to the basement. Today we're going to clean out. And actually, I did a little cleaning before this little podcast. So uh, I found a book. And the book is about Air Force One. So as soon as I come back, we're going to be talking about some crazy facts about Air Force One. Actually, 25 crazy facts. Well, now that the intro is uh, done and you heard it and you know what this podcast is going to be about, uh, thanks for not uh, closing it out. You know, not tuning Ben's basement out because, hey, Ben's basement needs some air every once in a while. Needs for, you know, some fresh, fresh listeners to, uh, to clean the place out a little. So let's get into it. 25 facts about air force one that you didn't know or you might have i don't know some of you president people out there that uh if called upon can name what president during what years or what the number was then good for you (laughs) somebody put in a little uh applause sound effect in that one let's start off with number one there's a mini hospital on the plane. Well, that's good. If the president, or any passenger for that matter, is injured or sick, Air Force One is decked out with a complete medical suite. Sweet. Doctor, check. Operating room, check. Now that top-notch medical care that all the presidents get for life. Yeah, see, that's the kind of job you want, listeners. Come on, friends. You want a job that after you retire from it or just work for four measly years or maybe even eight years. The most you can do is eight years. So would you take a job for eight years to be guaranteed lifelong superb medical care? Yeah, I think you would. Now for number two. There are three levels and 4,000 square feet. Yeah, that's bigger than my freaking house. Come on. The president's going to need to stretch his or her legs once in a while. His or her? Hmm. That's why it's convenient that Air Force One has 4,000 square feet of floor space. Not only that, but there are three levels to the plane, making it a triple decker in the sky. Well, no shit. Come on. Three levels, triple decker. Yeah, yeah, we we get it. Number three. It's sometimes accompanied by a 747 doomsday plane. You heard it right. Doomsday plane. Let's see what doomsday, doomsday plane actually means. In the event of a zombie apocalypse, meteor strike, or even nuclear warfare, the president of the United States has major backup. E-4B is the military code name for the doomsday plane that is constantly on alert. Hmm. I wonder if they call it E-4B or they call it Echo 4 Bravo. They probably call it Echo 4 Bravo. The plane can stay in the air for days and can outpace an explosion of nukes. Come on. 
online people. That source is ABC News. What do we what do we think about ABC News? Huh, listeners? Number four. It can go 650 miles per hour. Though it's usually going around 580 miles per hour, the top speed for Air Force One is 650. Many contest that it's gone up to 700, but top speed is somewhere between 630 and 700 miles per hour. Hopefully there are some air sickness bags in at least one of the two kitchens. (laughs) Two kitchens, wow. Number five, it can refuel in the air. Well, yeah, that's, that's not really anything spectacular. I mean, aren't there some jets and stuff like that that can uh, refuel in the air? I mean, I'm not too sure, but I'm pretty sure. And flight refueling is a rare commodity that Richard Branson would probably love to introduce to Virgin. Yeah, he's the owner of Virgin. But this is a special feature on the one and only Air Force One, which can refuel itself up to 30,000 feet in the air. Number six, it can survive the blast of a nuke. That's what we just got finished talking a while ago. So let's see what the hell they're talking about. In the event of a nuclear attack, Air Force One is not a bad place to be if you can get in. Which, uh... I'm, I'm sorry, friends, but I'm pretty sure everybody listening to this podcast right now would not be able to get in the Air Force One. Hey, but I, hey, prove me wrong, okay? That's because the plane's actual body is designed and secured to withstand the blast of a nuke from the ground, rendering the aircraft a bomb shelter in the sky. Number seven, with two kitchens... 100 people can be fed. Well, that's great. You've probably seen the tiny kitchen in the back of a regular plane. You know, the one where the stewardess can barely grab your mini Coke out of the mini fridge. (laughs) On the Air Force One, there are two legitimately sized kitchens that can legitimately serve 100 people healthy and hearty meals legitimately. Did we get that across legitimately? Legitimately. Number eight, it has 85 phones. Who the hell needs 85 phones? Wait a second, 85 phones? There's 100 people that can be on the plane. So what, you're skipping out on 50? What is wrong with those 15 people? Come on. I mean, who's gonna decide who gets, who? what 15 people are not gonna get a phone? That's bull crap. I guess the only decision maker that in that that can make that decision would, uh, I guess, would be the president, you know? Well, feel sorry for you, uh, 15 left-out losers. During takeoff, your phone should be turned off. That's the usual protocol for commercial flights, but Air Force One is not anti-phone. In fact, it has 85 of them, you know, in case 84 being used. (laughs) Really? Number nine, Ford's administration smuggled Coors beer. So President Ford loved Coors beer. Coors beer used to be harder to get than might you might imagine. It only was available in 11 Western states. That's why President Gerald Ford and his entire administration would load Coors into Air Force One. Though the flights were not based around the 
beer pickup, staffers would indeed bring it from out west, specifically Colorado, make the mountains blue, and fly it back to Washington, D.C. Well, well, well. Who'd have thunk it? President Ford was a Coors beer drinker. Not Coors Light. Coors Original. Number 10. In 1959, it was equipped as a spy plane. The Cold War meant all bets were off for American national security, which is the mentality that led CIA Director Alan Dulles to turn Air Force One into a spy plane. The year was 1959, and for a short time, cameras were secretly installed in the plane's wheel wells that were so powerful they could read license plates from 20,000 feet above. Come on. In 1959, from 20,000 feet above, they can read a license plate. Come on. Come on. Hey, right now, 2018, our cameras are barely over 20 megapixels. Come on. Come on. Get, let's, get back in, let's get back in the ballpark here, uh... Uh, Air Force One 1959 spy plane. Come on. Okay, guys, thanks for that little transition there. Now we're going to go on to number 11. And what number 11 is, it's a mobile command center during terrorist attacks. If there is another 9-11, Air Force One is equipped in a variety of ways. Besides its physical capabilities and self-preservation, the President can use the plane as a command center and fly his office through the sky if the White House isn't safe. I think that was pretty much common knowledge, common sense. But, you know, common sense isn't really common anymore. Number 12. Air traffic's got nothing on this plane. Basically, Air Force One has priority over the air when it's in the air. It doesn't have to bow down to nobody. It doesn't have to, you need to direct your course of flight in a new direction, 15 degrees. No, no, none of that. Air Force One is like the big-ass bully in the sky. It's like, move out the way, move out the way. I think that was a... Ludicrous. I, don't, I could be wrong. <laughs> Number 13. President Reagan had it stocked with jelly beans. First, Ford with his Coors beer. Now, Reagan with his jelly beans. While President Bush made sure broccoli was never on Air Force One, Reagan made sure jelly beans were always on board. During both his terms as president in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan kept jelly beans in a jar in both the Oval Office and his Aerial Office Air Force One. Good for him. Number 14. Almost 100 people can be on board. Yeah, we got that from earlier. You know, with the whole healthy meals, legitimately, legitimately healthy meals. And, uh, you know, can't forget about the 85 phones. While the kitchen can technically feed 100 people, that doesn't mean 100 people can be on the plane at once. Bullcrap. However, it can get pretty close. 26 crew members and 70 passengers, that's 96 total for all you mathletes out there, can fit on the Air Force One comfortably. Because if it's not comfortably, then you will become comfortably numb. 
Hey, get it? Yeah. yeah. Number 15, there's a sign seating. Oh, there goes uh, old uh, Southwest. Is it Southwest? Yeah, I think it is Southwest. I don't have a sign seat. Every White House administration has its own rules about who can sit where. Still, seating is always assigned on Air Force One. Nearly half of the seats are reserved for the press pool and for Secret Service agents. The press pool. Come on. Get out of here. Number 16. Over $660 million was spent on initial production. Building a plane is expensive. Building Air Force One is outrageously expensive. In its initial production alone, the Flying White House cost $660 million and the Air Force helped pay down the bill in $140 million payments. Hmm. It's like, hey, uh, you know, can, you know, $660 million, I, I, you know, I, I don't have that in my pocket. Can I make payments, you know, some kind of payment arrangement? God. Number 17, Bush approved the creation of the Department of Homeland Security during a flight. Historical decisions have been made aboard Air Force One. On one flight to Berlin in 2002, President George W. Bush approved details of a proposal that created the Department of Homeland Security, a brand new department of the United States government that still exists to this day. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's going to exist for a lot, lot longer. Number 18, Clinton used to blast jazz on board. Hey, there you go, Clinton. Clinton and his damn saxophone. I tell you what. Given all the crazy amenities of Air Force One, one might expect a DJ to be on board, too. While this isn't the case, President Bill Clinton made sure to play whatever tunes he wanted during long flights. The saxophonist would rock out to jazz music at an extremely high volume because his hearing issues. I had no idea that Clinton had hearing issues. No wonder why Hillary is the way she is. Because Bill can't hear her. She just thinks that Bill's probably, you know, just blowing smoke up her ass. Just not paying attention. No, he's legitimately has hearing issues. Huh. Number 19, it costs 56000 an hour to operate. Get the hell out of here. $56,000 an hour? $56,000 is more than I make in a damn year. Air Force One boasts an hourly rate most employers would greatly accept. To operate the plane, it costs $56,000 an hour. Hmm. Number 20. That's only five more facts to go, people. Hang in there. Its range is limitless. Part of the benefits of aerial refueling is that Air Force One has the capacity to go anywhere. Having unlimited range grants Air Force One unique power and can lend itself to a heck of a flight around the world. According to Time Magazine, that is. Number 21, almost 240 miles of wire runs through the plane. Eh, that's not very, I mean, who would think of, hey, you know what? I wonder how much wire 
is in this plane, you know, to run all the amenities and stuff. Hmm. Air Force One has more electronics inside it than your local Best Buy. Okay, that might be an exaggeration, but nearly 240 miles of wire run through the plane. This unique, this equipment is responsible for all the phones, screens, and communication devices that Air Force One is so intricate and powerful. Well, yeah, you need a lot of wires to run 85 phones. There's always a doctor on board. Yeah, we kind of, uh, I think that one might have been the very first one we talked about. Is there a doctor in the house? Since Air Force One is more decked out than most houses, the answer is yes. Every single time the president decides to hop a flight, a medical doctor is on board as well. Hopefully the president has enough to cover the doc's copay. Ha 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 ha. president pay no damn copay. Number 23, Bush Sr. banned broccoli from Air Force One. While there might be enemies banned from flying on Air Force One, it was the first president, it was the first President Bush who imposed a ban on the real enemy, broccoli. As his chefs knew, Bush Sr. hated the vegetable more than most people hate anything, so he made a rule that it could never be served in the White House or on Air Force One. Wow. Now that right there is pure hatred for a vegetable. I have never seen that much hatred towards a vegetable in my life. Number 24. Journalists used to watch Fargo on board. I don't think I've ever seen Fargo. While Air Force One probably hovered over Fargo, North Dakota once in a while, the movie Fargo was played countless times on board. During Clinton's 96 bid for re-election, the press corps and even President Clinton himself regularly watched the Coen Brothers film, leading famed presidential journalist Helen Thomas to declare it the, wor- the record holder of longest plane film aboard Air Force One. Well, that's, that's a feat. <laughs> Number 25, last but not least, we are finally here. Dear friends, thanks for uh, keeping up if you're still listening. Number 25, Clinton got a haircut on board, keeping LAX passengers waiting. Hmm. President Clinton was criticized heavily in 1993 when he got a haircut on Air Force One while it sat on the runway. The engine was running and LAX, one of the country's busiest airports, scrambled to make sure their commuter flights didn't land or take off until the president's hair was adequately snipped. Get out of here. You're lucky I was still in high school in 1993. Because if I was at LAX, and believe me, that is, if you've never been to LAX, and yeah, it's a busy, busy airport. It's one of the main hubs. Come on. So, yeah. But we're talking about LAX airport, and the source is uh, the New York Times. <laughs> yeah, buddy. If you are still here listening, let me tell you how great you are. That is so awesome that you stuck around and listened to the whole thing. Now, whether you did or not, I don't know. I can't tell. I don't have any kind of uh, way of telling. So, but if you did, I am very thankful and very 
grateful. So with that being said, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Ben's Basement. And hopefully your rest of your day is as good as mine is going to be. All right, guys. Thanks for listening, friends.